Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, also known as Johnny the Gentile. I am without Johnny the Jew today once again. And for those of you new listeners not familiar with the show... I generally talk about politics and current events, some economics for beginners, I guess you could say. I try to keep it as simple as possible. And I always come at things from a libertarian perspective, which I argue is the correct perspective on everything. But I am upfront about my bias. I do not um, hide the fact that I am most definitely trying to influence all of you to accept libertarianism and understand uh, the fundamental principles of the philosophy and why I think it is not only the best political philosophy known to man, but the, the best way of solving all of the problems that plague our daily lives. And so throughout the course of the show... I will use news stories and current events to illustrate why the libertarian philosophy is the philosophy that everybody needs to embrace to make the world a better place. That if we embrace libertarian philosophy in every aspect of our daily lives, we will enjoy more peace, more prosperity than ever before, and we will have more clarity in in terms of the human condition. So I, I make no... <laughs> I want, I want everybody to understand that I am most definitely coming at every single story and every single event from an angle, an angle of liberty. I wish I could say the same for the rest of the mainstream media. <laughs> um, the, the title of this episode will probably be Media Malpractice Part 3. Three, I think I'm on. It might be part four. I gotta check. I gotta check back through the through the episodes because I know when I first started my um, saga on media malpractice, I think I joked about having more media malpractice episodes than Rocky movies. I might need to amend that. At, at this rate, we might end up with more media malpractice episodes than Sylvester Stallone movies combined. All the Rockies, all the Rambos, <laughs> and all the other um, flicks that Sylvester Stallone has done because our our mainstream media, 
the corporate press, as some people like to refer to them, are are just unbelievably bad. Just terror. It's not even journalism what they do anymore. They all just seem to be political activists who use any potential story to push their own agenda. And that that is it. The agenda comes first. The narrative comes first. The story doesn't have to be true. The story doesn't have to be uh, verified by anybody. We don't need witnesses. We don't need corroboration of any kind. They just seem to roll with it. They, they will roll with any accusation. It's incredibly irresponsible, and it's really driving a wedge through the country. Like, the, the, the social fabric of America is already being held together by threads, and, and they seem to want to tug at each one of those threads and sow more and more division throughout the country. It's incredible. It's incredibly irresponsible. Uh, everything that, that's just been going on since Trump came down that, that escalator. Not that they haven't always been doing this, but they're so much more naked about it. And it has gotten exponentially worse. Just think over the last couple of years, the all of the bullshit stories the media has ran with and, and gotten completely wrong. Completely wrong just to pitch their agenda. And it's, you know, we had the, the whole Covington thing with those kids and the, and the Native American, right? We had the Jussie Smollett saga, which was like the most obvious bullshit story from the beginning to anybody that doesn't have an agenda. You had the, the whole Russia collusion thing with Donald Trump, a story that they ran with for two years. They, they did nothing but talk about how there was this Trump-Russia collusion, Trump's a Russian spy, all of that stuff. And, and now what? You, you hear nothing about it. Nothing. You, has anybody talked about this? In the last, I don't know, two months or so, since since they got overwhelming evidence that they were just completely wrong, that that the story was completely made up, and it was it was just nothing. There was nothing there. They just drop it and move on to the next story, like nothing happened, like they weren't pushing a, a deep state coup horseshit story, lying to the American people day in day out. 24 hours a day on some of these channels, CNN, MSNBC, like Ra- Rachel Maddow w- was talking about this like every single night, every night. And then all of a sudden it comes out that uh, no, they were completely wrong. There was nothing to this story. Nothing happens. They're, they're never held accountable. There's no retractions. The, the whole Jussie Smollett thing, they never addressed the fact that they got that completely wrong or the Covington story. Like the, the whole video was out there from the start. They, they could have clearly, they could have actually reported on that. Like, first of all, there was nothing to report on. What actually happened there was nothing. There was no story there unless you take it completely out of context with one clip and, and change the entire narrative of what was going on to make it fit an agenda, and then you have a story. But are they ever held accountable for this, or do they just drop it, pretend like nothing happened, pretend like they didn't get the entire thing wrong, pretend like they hadn't been lying to us, and then just move on to the next lie, to move on to the next bullshit story? They, it's like they are so obsessed. They are so desperate to try to bring down Donald Trump. They are so infected 
with the Trump derangement syndrome that they can't help themselves. They, they just can't do it. No matter how bad it makes them look, no matter how many times they get the story wrong, I don't know if they think that somehow this time it's going to be different. If they just take a, a random anonymous accusation and run with it, they do this thing where, you know, they they take a like a completely bullshit story. These anonymous uh, accusations, anonymous uh, sources are reporting this, an anonymous source is telling us that. Totally uncorroborated, unsubstantiated claims. They completely slander somebody in the news, libel them in the papers. And then they put this caveat in there. Instead of doing actual journalistic work, they just say, well, this story, if true, could be the end of Donald Trump's presidency. Like, if true? If true? How about you actually find out if it's true before you report on it? How about that? How about that? They use it as sort of cover to protect themselves from from just spreading spreading lies all over the internet, all over the TV. Oh, this story, if true, could could really could could mean Donald Trump's a rapist. It's I I can't believe they can get away with this. And then they sit back in their in their fancy news stations and they wonder why the American people are starting to distrust them. They wonder why Donald Trump garners all this support for going around and and talking about fake news. Now, I, what are we supposed to believe now? Because you get every single story wrong. Every time. Every, like, you, you can pretty much just watch the news and whatever they're telling you, assume the exact opposite to be the case, and you will be closer to the truth than you, nine times out of ten, than you ever will following the corporate press narrative. Just about every single time. So the most recent example of this comes to us, compliments of the New York Times. Apparently, somebody over there thought it would be a good idea to dust off the allegations against Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. As I'm sure everyone remembers, the the entire nomination process of Kavanaugh and the subsequent insanity that ensued surrounding allegations from when he was 17 years old. Um, th- that entire story was really incredible to watch last year. That was one of the biggest stories of 2018, you know, aside from the whole Russia collusion thing, right? But th- that that was you could actually see the like half the country collectively losing their minds, just insa- complete insanity taking over because there is so much power on the line when it comes to government, and, it, and in particular, the, the Supreme Court, which should not be the case, by the way. But we have completely perverted what this experiment in government was supposed to be and what the role of the Supreme Court is supposed to be. If you actually follow the, the Constitution and the, the branches of government stick to their proper roles, which of course they never do, but if you actually did that, then a Supreme Court nomination it should not be the end of the world for you. Yeah, it's a lifetime appointment. First of all, all the branches of government are supposed to be equal. They're all supposed to be equal in power, and the Supreme Court is not supposed to be just declaring the law of the land 
as they see it, which is what they've done in recent years, which is what they did with gay marriage, for example. And, and whether you agree with, with their decision or not, you know, of, of course I agree that gay people should be able to get married. That, but that's beside the point here. The point is that this, it's not the Supreme Court's role to decide what the law is going to be. They're supposed to interpret the law as to whether or not it's constitutional. That's why they call them the judicial branch, okay? The legislative branch writes the law. The judicial branch is supposed to be this safeguard against the other two branches of government overstepping their bounds in terms of constitutional authority. So the Supreme Court is supposed to look at what the legislative branch is trying to do and decide whether or not it's constitutional. That's it. And they can render an opinion. That's why they call it rendering an opinion. They don't get to declare anything. They don't have any more power than the executive branch or the legislative branch. They can't overrule the other branches. But even that, even that does not make them the, the be-all, end-all of what's constitutional. Okay, that that would be insane to to have, uh, you know, think of what the, what the founders were trying to do with these checks and balances, right? To have one branch of of the three determine the the limits of the federal government, that that would mean that there is no limit because they can just decide whether or not something is constitutional, whether or not they can do it. That's not what the Supreme Court can do either. They can render an opinion. They can render an opinion, but ultimately whether or not it's constitutional, is up to the states. And you have to remember that the states were very weary of a federal government. That's what this whole, the, all of the, um, the Federalist Papers and, and all, the, all the debates when they were creating the government, that's what was going on, was the states were trying to, the states wanted to protect themselves from an all-powerful federal government and protect their rights. They would have never signed on to something that would that would have a fe- a branch of the federal government determining what's constitutional for the entire country and and determining law for the entire country you know if it were true that the supreme court was the ultimate um the ultimate guide on what's constitutional and what isn't then that would put them above the constitution and not the other way around the the supreme court can only rule on what's you know, on powers that are within the purview of the Constitution. If it's the other way around, that would mean that the the Supreme Court is the ultimate being, the ultimate body. The the two other branches are below that, and the Constitution's like somewhere in the middle there. <laughs> Which means that the Constitution is just this um I don't know, this this thing of Play Doh that they can just mold and shape into whatever they want which is what they've been doing, which is why the government's completely out of control. But it was never supposed to be like that. You don't have to be a constitutional scholar to understand this stuff. Just think about it. Just use your head, okay? Why would the states create a federal government that had authority over them, that had this all-powerful authority to determine what the states do? The states would have to be insane to do that. That's not what they were trying to accomplish with a federal government. So just... You know, put yourself in their position here. They would have never ratified the Constitution. They never, they never would have created the federal government in the first place if, if they didn't have that ultimate check and balance in place to, to, um, to dispute 
what the Supreme Court's saying, what the federal government's saying they can do over the states. And I can guarantee you that they would have never signed on to this whole idea of a federal government if the Constitution was this living, breathing document that can change with the times and its meaning is open to interpretation of this supreme judicial body. That's, that's nonsense. That's what the government wants you to believe so that they can usurp more and more power and take more and more of your freedoms away. Obviously. Obviously they want you to believe that. But why would, why would the states create that? Why would the states create a, a federal government that can tell them what to do? It's insane. It's in, you'd, you'd have to be insane to do that. And it's no surprise that people believe this. It's no surprise that the vast majority of the country doesn't understand the role of government, the role of the judicial branch, the role of the legislative branch, the fact that there are three branches. I bet if you polled the majority of society, they would get that question wrong. Talk to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez about the three branches of government. It's because the government are the ones teaching it to us. That's the problem. You think they're going to teach you that that um, the states are the ones that are that should be limiting the powers of the federal government? Are they going to actually teach you what their role is? That the, that the legislative branch, that Congress can't just create powers for themselves out of thin air. That that the executive branch can't just make uh, invent powers for themselves via executive order. Of course not. Why would they? And the Supreme Court's doing the same thing. They're inventing powers for themselves. They're they're giving themselves powers that they were never given under the under the Constitution. But it doesn't seem to matter. And nobody seems to really understand what's going on here. And so with each passing generation, it just seems like we're learning the wrong lessons of history, learning the wrong lessons from government schools. We become more and more apathetic to what the federal government's doing, and they just keep growing and growing and growing. We started with the smallest government in the world. It was intended to be the smallest government in the world, and it's now the largest government the planet has ever seen. And the reason for that, uh, the, the reason for a lot of that, rests at the feet of the Supreme Court and this perversion of, of its role that, that the American people have the, allowed them to get away with. That's why our, our supposedly limited government has, has become unlimited is because they've perverted the job of the Supreme Court. They've put them up on this pedestal that they had no business being up on. The original intent of the Supreme Court was not that they'd be these sort of refer, the ultimate referees of the government. That you know, like they're watching this play unfold, and they get to they have the final say as to whether or not the guy's foot is in bounds, <laughs> right? Or you know, I was just watching football today, whether or not there was pass interference. That that's not what their role was supposed to be. But what we have now is we have we've delegated that power to them. They apparently get to decide everything. So now there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake with a Supreme Court decision and, and being able to stack the Supreme Court with your, with your judges that are sympathetic to your cause. That, and this goes back to like FDR was one of the first people to stack the Supreme Court and ram through unconstitutional legislation that will ultimately bankrupt the country. We're, we're well on our way 
thanks to you know Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, that sort of stuff. But you could really see the left just go into full-blown panic mode over losing their their majority on the Supreme Court because so much of what of what their ideology is based on is force. It, they're authoritarian. They have to tell you what to do. And in order to do that, they need the Supreme Court to have this perverted role as sort of the referees of society, and they need to have control of it. They, they want the government running your life. They want the government making decisions for you. And in order to do that, they have to have control over everything. And everything now rests at this Supreme Court level, which is not how it should be. And, and nobody seems to question this. We just seem to take it a, a, as this is the system that we have, and it's the best way of organizing society. Really? Do you really, you really think that nine people should determine the, what, what happens for 320 million people? What's, what's legal? What's not? Just nine people? I mean, the real question here should be about the role of the Supreme Court. It shouldn't be whether or not Kavanaugh pulled his dick out 30 years ago or whatever it was, you know? Uh, who cares? Who cares? Let's get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is that we have this supreme body, this supreme judicial body that just gets to decide things for the rest of us. Why aren't we questioning that? Because every... Every time one of these Supreme Court justices kicks the bucket, we're going to have this tooth and nail fight. Half of society is going to think that the other half is going to destroy their lives with an appointment. And we have to keep constantly fighting with each other and, and, and constantly trying to destroy these people that are trying to get nominated onto the Supreme Court because we're, we don't want to relinquish the power. These are the questions we should be asking ourselves, not whether or not uh, uh, Kavanaugh, like Kavanaugh rubbed his dick up against some girl 30 years ago. But, but the government doesn't want you thinking about that. So they're happy to keep the dog and pony show going, flash these shiny objects in front of you and distract you away from the real problem. The real problem is that we have this Supreme Court overstepping its bounds. The real problem is that we have presidents that are appointing these judicial activists now who, who want to interpret the Constitution. Okay, the, the Constitution doesn't need to be interpreted. It's not written in, a, in Chinese or hieroglyphics or anything like that. It doesn't need to be interpreted. It needs to be enforced. They, they use this interpretation as a way of getting around what's what it says in the Constitution because they don't like what it says. That's the real problem here. That's the problem with the Supreme Court is that they haven't been doing their job. They have not been reining in the, the other two branches of government from overstepping their constitutional bounds. This, this experiment has completely failed, and I don't understand why you, you think that you could have government trying to rein in government. It just seems insane to me. It's like having the, the fox guard the hen house. But why would anybody on the Supreme Court try to limit the power of the same governmental body that they're a part of? How's that ever going to work? Well, we see that it doesn't. But do we address that? No, no. We're just going to, you know, trim around the edges and, and tinker with who gets appointed to the body and not the body itself. That's the problem here.
And if you haven't already listened to my episode on the religion of the state, I suggest you go back and listen to that because I talk a lot about this idea of of how statism is this religion. Well, when it comes to the Supreme Court, there there is no better example of this. And and how we 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 make all these exceptions for government and we put them on this pedestal as if you know, once you put on this black robe, all of a sudden you're above all of these these human emotions. You're not you won't succumb to greed or ambition. You know, you won't let your political leanings influence your decisions in any way. You're you're all of a sudden you put on this magical robe and and you're you're impartial, right? It's insane. Insane. You'd have to be insane to believe that. Okay. Or be propagandized your entire life to believe that they are these angels working for government. And that was actually one of the arguments that people would put forth when it came to Kavanaugh. Like, oh well, he doesn't have the temperament to be uh, uh, on the uh, to serve on the bench. He doesn't have the judicial temperament, as if they're you know these superhuman beings. They hold them in in just this reverence that is just so undeserved. It, it, it's unbelievable to me. And now apparently you have to be judicial your entire life, even during your teenage years, because, you know, this day and age with social media and and the Internet and all this stuff like they can they can look you up and see what you were doing 30 years ago. (laughs) And if you weren't acting judicial enough, uh, there goes your chance of being on the Supreme Court, I guess. But but anyway, let me <laughs> what what started that 20 minute rant on the Constitution and the Supreme Court's role in government was the the dusting off of the, the whole Kavanaugh story by The New York Times. So l- let's deal with what is passing for journalism these days, shall we? So basically what happened was there are these two women who wrote a book on Kavanaugh. They did some more research and talked to some of the people who were allegedly involved at that party. Or, you know, if you remember, Blasey Ford's claim was that her and her friend went to this party. She couldn't remember where. And Kavanaugh and a couple of his friends were there. And then at some point at that in that night, Kavanaugh threw her down on the bed and tried to uh, have his way with her, force himself on her sexually. And then somehow she got away um, that part was a little fuzzy to me. But anyway, last week, these these two women, um, who apparently thought there was enough for a book there, they then write an op-ed piece for the New York Times, basically summarizing the findings of their new book and giving a brief overview of the story, you know, to promote the book sort of thing, right? And they they have some damning new evidence, apparently, right? New allegations are levied against Kavanaugh were the headlines that we were all bombarded with. All the news publications, all the talking heads on the major stations, they're all running with it. And as soon as that story ran, the the scumbag politicians, you know, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, everybody running for president basically jumps on it, takes to the Twitters and the news cycle, to start renewing calls for Kavanaugh's impeachment. Okay, so now I know better than to just take headlines from publications like the New York Times and just run with their narrative as fact because, you know, as I outlined at the top of the show, 
There is a long documented history of all their BS, right? But I have to admit that it's fairly it's a fairly natural response to to story after story coming out and making some type of allegation against the same person over and over again where you just kind of think to yourself, "Okay, you know, maybe there's some there must be something here." Right? You know, where there's smoke there's fire kind of thing. But you also have to keep in mind that other people know that that's going to be your reaction as well. That's going to be the reaction of most people. And that they can make stuff up easily to, to just play on that, to play on that emotion. And it's not that unbelievable that this preppy, entitled Yale guy might, be, might have been some, you know, this douchebag and abusive towards women, you know. I'm open to it. I, I'm open to that idea. But you have to present some actual evidence to me, okay? I'm not just going to take someone's word for it. I mean, I just got done talking about how vital the Supreme Court is to the country. You don't think that people would make up a story in order to maintain that, that control? So you have to give me something other than unsubstantiated claims. I'm not going to lose my mind like the rest of the country and just start these ridiculous chants like we believe survivors and believe all women as if women are incapable of lying. So, you know, I go and read the article and it's just amazing. Amazing that once again, this is all you need to ruin somebody. These earth-shattering new allegations are that are basically that they have one guy who says he heard a rumor that Kavanaugh rubbed his dick on some girl in college. That's it. It, it seems kind of flimsy to me, don't you think? Just a little flimsy. I mean, each accusation that comes out against Kavanaugh is less believable or less credible than the one before it. And the first one, the very first one, was like, you know, it was just a he said, she said kind of thing. Who are you going to believe? So that's what everybody jumps at and runs with all over social media, trending on Twitter, you name it. Then it comes out because of all the early copies of this book that are circulating for reviews, etc., that the New York Times piece left out some information. Some might say vital information. You know, like the fact that the alleged victim of this dick rubbing is not alleging that this ever happened to her. She's in fact saying that she has no knowledge of this ever happening. And they just happened to leave that out of the article. I mean, listen, this is not just some little detail that you left out accidentally or you missed a fact check or something like that. That's literally the thing that makes this not a story at all. Not only does this detail have to be included in your article about an alleged sexual assault, this detail would be the reason that an honest journalist never writes the article in the first place. You see, in order to have new allegations, there has to be a victim claiming that something happened to them. That's how allegations work. I mean, Jesus. It reminds me of that scene from A Few Good Men when Tom Cruise finds out that Downing wasn't in the room or even on the base when he was claiming to have been given the order for the Code Red. Kind of an important detail, don't you think? Like, the kind of detail that destroys your whole story. 
And it's kind of convenient, I would say, for you to accidentally leave that out. And that's what the authors are claiming, is that during the editing process, they were going to remove the alleged victim's name, who isn't alleging that anything actually happened to her. So they were going to remove her name, and they accidentally took out that part about her saying that this whole thing never happened. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, I I'm comfortable calling bullshit on this one. And by the way, the name that they want, that they're removing from the article, they name her in the book. They name this girl in the book, apparently. So I'm not sure why you would go through the act of removing her name from the article. Unless, I guess, you're just banking on the fact that nobody's actually going to read your piece of shit book and they'll just go off of what the article says or maybe just the headline of the article, as the majority of Americans usually do. But even if that was just an oversight, as they are claiming that a team of people working on this article, going back and forth through the editing process with each other, and you finally signing off on this article, they, all these people just happened to miss that this part was taken out. I'm not sure that's really any better. I, I mean, what are we going with here? So, so, great, you're not liars. You're not lying by omission. You're just unimaginably incompetent. That, that's your story now? That's what you're going with? I mean, how can we trust anything that you put out? If you can miss something like that, how can we trust any of your stories? And then it comes out that this guy who apparently heard this rumor just happens to be a lawyer that worked on Bill Clinton's team when he was being impeached. And oh yeah, Kavanaugh, by the way, was working on Ken Starr's team trying to bring Bill Clinton down course none of that was ever mentioned in the article either so to sum up there's no actual alleged uh there's no victim alleging anything happened to her you have a guy who claims he heard a rumor 36 years ago and he has no credibility the whole story is complete bullshit the new york times runs with it anyway and they're forced to apologize and declare themselves too incompetent to run a newspaper but does any of that stop these politicians from calling for impeachment, from declaring that we have this rapist on the Supreme Court or we have the sexual predator on the Supreme Court, we need to start impeachment hearings again? As if any of them actually care about that. I mean, our government is teething with sexual predators. There's a whole sex trafficking ring, apparently, that nobody's interested in to looking into anymore. I guess we're, we're just going to drop the whole um, Epstein thing, right? But it gets worse. It, it actually gets worse than that, if you can believe it, because more details about this book are coming out. And remember how nobody could corroborate Christine Blasey Ford's story, like nobody at the party, none of her friends, none of Kavanaugh's friends, which, okay, I, I suppose you could say that you have to take anything that Kavanaugh's friends are telling you with a grain of salt because, you know, they're his friends. Why would they turn on him? But apparently, one of the other revelations that was detailed in this book was that these two authors talked with Ford's friend who initially said that she had no recollection of that happening. And she told the writers of the book that even she doesn't believe Ford's story. Not just that she doesn't remember it happening, that she thinks the whole story is basically bullshit. That even she doesn't believe a word that Christine Blasey Ford's saying. So, 
really what, what happened here was that not only are there no new allegations, but the book actually provides more evidence to support Kavanaugh's side of the story that these are completely baseless bullshit claims. And somehow, that all gets summed up into an article where the big takeaway from the corporate press is that we have new allegations against Kavanaugh. And the politician's takeaway is that, oh, well, now we have to impeach him. Now we have grounds for impeachment. Wow. Wow. What an incredible time to be alive. I'm sure any day now we'll get an apology from Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, all these people on Twitter who, you know, jumped to conclusions once again and got the story completely wrong once again. I'm sure any day now we can expect that apology, right? Oh, wait, no. No, no, I almost forgot. <laughs> right on the heels of this story is another bullshit story. It's like they just keep hopping from one ridiculous thing to the next and hope that we never catch up. It's a great microcosm for everything that is wrong with this country right now. Nobody looks into anything. We just take headlines and run with them. If it fits our narrative, you know, it, it, it's true. If we want to believe it, it's the new reality. It's just so depressing to watch this happen, and it's exhausting to keep having to combat all the crap that's out there. But this, So the next story, the next episode of Media Malpractice I want to discuss today real quick is the, the whole Trump-Ukraine-Biden issue, right? And here we go once again. So we have a whistleblower, an anonymous whistleblower, making unsubstantiated claims that he has information about some phone call that Trump was on with the president of Ukraine and they were and Trump was revealing things that he shouldn't have or he was talking about things that he shouldn't have he made there were some implications of like a quid pro quo kind of thing going on what was actually said is never mentioned who the whistleblower is never mentioned but if true these allegations could be the end of Donald Trump and it's just like, how, how many partial stories are we just going to run with here? Like, I guess you could make an argument that there might be a story there and you could start working on it. But that's not a story. That's not a whole story there. I mean, Trump basically came out and said, like, listen, I know there's, there's like a bunch of you guys listening to me on all these phone calls. I don't I don't say things like that because I know you guys are I, I mean, I know you guys are all listening. And I mean, you know, Trump, like him or hate him, however you feel about him, in some instances, he's an idiot, obviously. But he's got street smarts. He's not going to talk on like a recorded line and offer you some, some sort of bribe or some make promises that are in, inappropriate or whatever. I mean, remember, this is a guy who's already been wiretapped by the deep state, who just underwent a two-year deep state coup, who's had people trying to take him down left and right. You think he's really that stupid? You think he's that dumb to just start offering bribes over the phone. I mean, come on. Come on. Think about it for two seconds. Like, I have never seen Donald Trump illustrate a high level of intelligence in terms of policy or anything like that that's going on. But you don't get to be president of the United States. You don't get to be, you know, a billionaire real estate mogul by being that stupid. 
I- I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen. But hey, like I said with the whole Kavanaugh stuff, if you have any evidence, I'm all ears. I will look into whatever you want me to look into. I will listen to whatever you have. But you have to actually present me with something, with some sort of evidence to prove your claim. And meanwhile, meanwhile, the, the entire corporate press, the mainstream media, they're completely ignoring the actual story about what's happening over in the Ukraine. And a, a story with actual evidence. You see, because this one involves Joe Biden, the Democratic frontrunner for president. Isn't that funny how that works? That the story is about Joe Biden and his son and not interested in that. The story might actually have some teeth. He's actually on tape bragging about this and we're just not interested in it. We're not going to talk about it. But Donald Trump was on the phone. Donald Trump said something on the phone that, that may or may not have been inappropriate. So look out. But what's going on with Joe Biden's son and the Ukraine has been developing for years, sort of under the radar, I guess you could say, at least under the radar of the corporate press, where his son is being paid $50,000 a month by some Ukrainian uh, gas company. And there was a, a prosecutor in the Ukraine who was looking into that whole relationship to see if there was anything inappropriate going on there, which of course there was. I mean, I don't know why anybody's surprised by this, that the children of highfalutin uh, political figures get these powerful positions and use their parents as leverage and influence around the world to make millions of dollars. Like, why is that a surprise to anybody? I don't know. But so Biden goes over and he's on camera saying this. He's he's literally recorded saying that, you know, um, we're not going to give Ukraine billions of dollars unless you fire this prosecutor who happens to be investigating my son and the, the company that he works for. I, I mean, uh, OK, that that might be considered inappropriate. Maybe we should deal with that story. You know, uh, any interest in that or are, are we just going to go off of some anonymous whistleblower saying that he heard that someone else heard someone said something inappropriate on a phone call and we don't know what. Okay. Okay. Great job. Great job. Media. Keep up the good work. It's almost, it's almost like they're working for Donald Trump at this point. Like, can they really be this blinded by their rage that they could walk into this, like Trump's now using this as a, as a weapon to beat them over the head with. Now Joe Biden's got to answer for what, what's going on with his son. Like they just walked right into this trap? Or are these, are these plants that are just setting up the, the, the Trump administration for victory? I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they are, but if they were, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Uh, I guess I'm going to leave it there because uh, I'm starting to get, you know, to the 45 minute mark, something like that. And um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know what else to say, except that this is just a, a huge embarrassing failure for, for the corporate media. And I don't know how much longer people are going to trust them. How many more times can you be burned? How many more times are you going to be burned by these liars in Washington, by these liars in the corporate press, which are in lockstep, rubbing elbows with all these politicians. They have all these incestuous deals 
with with the president and with Congress and all the all these guys. They're all they all go to the same parties. They all talk to each other. How many more times are you going to let them control you? Control what you think? So I guess that's the thought that I will leave you with today. And if you like the show, guys, do me a favor and share it with at least two people that you think would 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 also enjoy it. Maybe a person that you think just needs to hear it. Make sure you download and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And follow me on Twitter, at Pedal Fiction. You, you will get access to the best meme folder on the internet. And if you want to donate to the show monetarily, you can go to our website, pedalingfictionpodcast.com, and donate from there to help expand the show, help expand our reach, help get our message out there. And if you can do all that, I promise that I will keep coming back to cut through all the BS of the corporate press and the political class. And until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.